was there the night before And I heard them knocking at my door Would I turn them down or let them in On Christmas Eve in Bethlehem was watching over here when the angel of the Lord appeared but I believe as the shepherds did on Christmas Eve in Bethlehem would I sing hallelujah at the top of my on your door Will you turn them down and let them in For the day when Jesus comes again But we'll sing Come, let us adore. 
Yes, Jesus. Lord, we stand in awe of you this morning. We give you, Jesus, all the glory. Would you just tell him again, church? Just tell him you love him. Tell him you love him. Tell him thank you. Tell him thank you. Jesus, thank you for the day you came. Lord, thank you for your humility to be confined to a human body, be born as a baby for us. Lord, we do love you. We adore you. Lamb of God, Holy One of God, you, Jesus, are our King. We honor you in this place, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch our hearts with awe again. That you would get rid of the familiarity with which we bring to the Christmas story, and you'd let our hearts be inspired again by the beauty of Jesus. Lord, we ask for this today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. All right, hey, how, how about y'all, before you take your seats, just turn to some people and say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I love it. It's good. Well, again, I want to just welcome everyone. Glad that you're here with us on this um, unseasonably warm Christmas Eve here in Illinois. But I'm okay with it for a little bit. I would like some snow soon. Um, but again, we just love that you're here, love that you're with us to celebrate Jesus and all that he's done for us. Uh, we want to just welcome uh, those of you who are new today. We love new people, and maybe you came to the Christmas production you know, that was kind of your first interaction here at Northwoods, and you decided to show back up uh, to our Christmas Eve service. We love that you came here, but we also want to see you get connected. Uh, so if you're new here today, we want you to be more than just a warm body in a seat, okay? We want to get you connected into this church family. So pull out your phone, text NEW, N-E-W, to that number there on the screen, and that'll help get you plugged in to this church family. And for the rest of you, you guys know, open up the Northwoods app, fill out the connection card, and remember that if you've got any questions or you want more information on anything I mentioned today in announcements, uh, you can get to it right there in the Northwoods app, okay? Uh, quick reminder for all of us, remember that after today, we're shutting the doors around here, okay? We're going to give our staff and our volunteers who've all been working very hard the last few weeks, give them much-needed rest and uh, time with their families. And so on New Year's Eve, that Sunday, do not show up here, all right? Remember, we're gonna have church at home that morning, at your home, online. That's how we're gonna gather. So join us online for that as we worship and hop into the Word. And then um, many of you know, come January, we're starting into our 21-day corporate fast. So real quick, uh, you guys got that little graphic? Yeah, the Northwoods app, 
We want you to get this. We have fasting resources in there for you. There's daily devotionals, uh, daily worship songs that you can use as you fast. And then we've actually linked it with the YouVersion Bible app. There's a plan in there that you can follow for those 21 days. And so I just want to encourage you to use the fasting resources that we've made available to you. If you've got questions about how to fast, uh, why we fast, all that kind of stuff, all of that is there in the app or on our website. Uh, and just got to mention, uh, the boys here on our team, they, they gave that thing a facelift. So it's, it's nice and new. It looks great. And again, all your fasting resources are right there in the Northwoods app. Um, last little note is on giving. Again, you guys know this is our habit. We intend to keep it a habit that every Sunday we tell you thank you for your generous giving because we literally could not do any of the ministry we do here at Northwoods apart from your generous and sacrificial giving. So we always want to say thank you for the way that you've partnered with us to advance the work of God's kingdom at Northwoods and here in Peoria across the world. Um, and remember, we're coming into the end of the year, which means uh, if you're giving a year-end gift, make sure that's postmarked by December 31st. Or, you know, before that would be good, too. Uh, but that's, that's the very kind of last day if you want that to be categorized in 2023. And if you are giving today, you can give it the drop boxes at the back of the auditorium or by text or online. Okay? So uh, we got Brother Trey up here. He's going to minister to us and sing to us as we've done in this series, looking at the songs of Christmas. Today we're looking at Simeon's song in the Christmas story. And so I want to just read real quick that passage. And I, I want you guys to just try and imagine this. Like let your imagination go there. Put yourself in Simeon's shoes. And even as Trey will sing... Why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart up afresh to this passage, the truths that are here, what God wants to say to us through his word. So Luke 2, verse 25, says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child of Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Lord, now, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel.
Thank you, Trey, that was beautiful. Church, it's so great to be here with you on this Christmas Eve, and uh, man, I look around, it's just it's great to see this place full, and uh, I hope you're all uh, anticipating a great Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. And uh, hey, we gotta talk before we go further about the Christmas show. I mean, how, how about the Christmas show this year, huh? You know, we do the Christmas show because, again, every year this is, this is one of our, it's really an outreach for us. How can we reach as many people for Jesus Christ with the good news of the gospel around Christmas? And um, this year, I'll give you some of the stats. There were 26,300 people, 26,300 people who attended 10 shows and what's amazing is that there were 1,314 people who took yes packets, <laughs> indicating they surrendered their life to Jesus. Church, that's absolutely incredible. And uh, I just wanna say thank you to each and every one of you because uh, you're all a part of that, whether it was through your prayers, through serving, through inviting someone, through sharing with others about it. This is something that we each, each and every one of us got to be a part of this Christmas. And man, what a joy it is to, to serve the Lord in this way and get to see him uh, change people's lives for eternity. And so before we go any further, I just feel like we need to stop and let's just thank the Lord for what he did over the last week. And so Lord, again, we just come before you this morning and, uh, Lord, we just thank you um, for the in eternal impact that we got to be a part of that happened here over the last week. Lord, may we never lose the joy of seeing even one person come across the line of faith. Jesus, we know that you said in Luke chapter 15 that there is more joy and rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 others who didn't need to. And so, Lord, we know there has been so much joy in heaven over the last week because of what's happened here. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would share in your joy today um, in knowing that we got to play a small part in that with you. And so, Lord, again, we come before you and we thank you for what you did over the last week. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand again for what he did. So awesome. And listen, if you're here and you're one of those people that recently surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you're here, if you're listening online, let me just say, one of the best things you can do now is get plugged in with the church. This is foundational to your faith, gathering with other believers regularly. Your faith wasn't meant to be walked out 
alone. You know, in 1972, there was a uh, Stanford professor named Walter Michel, or Michel, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he conducted what has become known as the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment. Have you heard of this? Anyone heard of this? You may have seen people who have redone this uh, in the last several years and on social media, things like that. But this experiment involved testing hundreds of children around the age of four on their ability to wait. So the researcher would bring each child into a private room, sit them down in a chair and place a marshmallow on a table in front of them. And if they didn't like marshmallows, he'd give them chocolate instead. And he'd put it on the table in front of them. Then he would say, now I have to leave the room. And you can eat the marshmallow now if you want. But if you wait till I get back, when I come back, you can have two marshmallows. So the choice is simple. One treat now, but if you wait, two treats later. Then the researcher would leave for a period of 15 minutes. Now to sum up how most kids fared, I'll show you one clip of a kid. Now this video is really old. It's, it's not HD quality. And in the video, you'll hear the researcher kind of narrating in the background. Let's watch this clip. Do you like marshmallows? Now this kid is wonderful. You don't like marshmallows? Look at that face. Do you like chocolate? Yeah. Okay, well. I love chocolate. The treat you have won is a chocolate. But, 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 if you wait till I come back, you can get two. You can eat this now. I have to go check my car. And when I come back, if you wait, I'll give you two of them. Okay. So you can eat it now, but if you wait till I come back, Second you have two. Time. Okay. You think you can wait? Okay, so I will be back in a few minutes. So you can either eat it now, Four times. but if you wait, you're going to have two of them. Okay, I'll be back soon. I'm not out of the door. <laughs> I love the little skull and crossbones. Total boy. And he's just enjoying it, minding his own business, eating away. Hello, I'm back. Now how listen are carefully. Good. Oh, you ate it. I love how he says at the end, I waited. Now, as you can see, that's that's just one clip. Most kids struggled to wait 15 minutes. And you know, I was trying to think about what the equivalent for adults would be. And so I think it would be similar if when you woke up in the morning, a researcher came to you and said, all right, you can have one cup of hot coffee now, but if you wait, I'm gonna leave for two hours, and when I come back, if you wait, you can have two cups of hot coffee. But here's the point. Waiting is hard. I don't know about you, but when I have to wait, I rarely do it well. I wanna ask you this morning, how well do you wait? How well do you wait? Now, I know that might be kind of a hard thing to diagnose on your own, but let me give you a few everyday scenarios that'll help you diagnose how well you wait. So here's the first scenario. You're in the drive-through line at your local coffee shop, and the driver in front of you gets their coffee but then decides to have an extended conversation with the barista. Do you 
get excited that they're experiencing community in the drive-through line? Now, do you think about pulling up alongside of them, rolling down your window and saying, let me join in too? Or do you fantasize about ways that you can wedge your car between them and the window? I, I kid you not, this, this almost exact scenario happened to me yesterday. And I was kind of in a hurry. So I'm, I, had to, I was picking up a, a, a tea. And so I, I went there and I'm in the drive-thru. It's taking forever. I'm in a hurry. And the guy in front of me, he's not in a hurry at all. So it's one of those things where I pull up and I'm right behind him. The car in front of him moves and then moves again. Now we're almost at two car lengths of space in front of him. He's just sitting there. I'm sitting there going, what, what is this man doing? Now my wife has taught me, John, don't throw your hands up in the car at people. Please don't do that. So I've adopted other strategies. Sometimes I just do this. <sighs> Sometimes I just stare straight ahead. So, you know, he'll pull up a little bit at a time. I'm just like, this, this guy doesn't get it. So finally he gets up to the place where he orders. And I have my window down. I'm kind of listening. Because I want to go, I wonder, I wonder what this guy's going to order. He goes, I'd like two pairs of egg bites, warmed, but also toasted, please. Banana bread, latte this, latte this, latte that. And I get up there and the entire screen is full of this dude's order. I'm like, this, this guy taking forever and then ordering for like a family of seven. So I'm, I'm just struggling. And so, you know, I get up there, make my order. I'll have one thing, please. Thank you. He gets up to the window and again, he's just having an extended conversation. It's just like one thing after another coming out the window to his car. He's laughing, smiling, having a great time with the barista. And I'm just sitting back there just going, I'm, I'm almost shaking my head, just going, come on, man. I'm in a hurry. So I'm really struggling with this dude. Finally, he pulls off. I get up to the window and I'm like, I wanted to say, man, can you believe that guy? I didn't say that. I get up there and the barista goes, hey, the guy in front of you, he just paid for your order. <laughs> Oh. I was like, Lord, maybe you're trying to teach me something about waiting. I can't stay mad at the guy. If that was you and you're here, bless you. Okay, so that's one scenario. You're in the drive through line. Here's another scenario testing how well you wait. You're in the waiting room at the prompt care. I sometimes wonder why they call it prompt care. And your wait hasn't been anything but prompt. You've been there for an hour. Do you cherish the time because now you can catch up on Reader's Digest 2023? Or do you think about forcing yourself to hyperventilate to get prompt attention? Here's scenario number three, when we've all probably, um, we've experienced this, you're at a stoplight. The light turns green. The person in front of you is not paying attention. So they sit there. Do you patiently wait? Like, oh, you know, they'll, they'll put their phone down and recognize it in a minute. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to, you know, work my patience muscles. Or do you hit the horn and give them one of these? You know, one author suggested 
that we need to create a new unit of time. We have the nanosecond, but he suggested another measure of time called the honkosecond. And this is defined as the time between when the traffic light changes and the person behind you honks their horn. And he claims it's the smallest measure of time known to science. Now, you might, we're just having some fun, you might not go to the extremes I just listed, but I think when it comes to waiting, the majority of us don't wait very well. And not only is the Christmas season about waiting, you know, there's a lot of waiting inherently in it, waiting for the day, waiting to be able to open presents. But the Bible indicates that in many places, uh, not only was the, the lead up to when Jesus was born a time of waiting, but also that waiting uh, upon the Lord will be a part of our life. It'll be a part of walking with the Lord. And my guess is every single one of us in here today could say that we have something that we're waiting on. Maybe you're waiting for that special someone, future spouse. Perhaps you're waiting for clarity on a major decision. Maybe you're waiting for a prodigal child to come back home. Maybe you're waiting on the Lord to give you a child of your own someday. Maybe you're waiting for a promotion or a job change. Maybe you're waiting on healing in your body. Maybe you're waiting for the economy to return and your finances to bounce back so you can hurry up and retire. Or maybe as one of my senior friends often says, you're waiting on a new resurrection body. And you know, in these times of waiting, I found the question we often ask is very similar to a question I hear from my children almost every morning in regard to Christmas. How much longer do we have to wait? How many days left? When will the wait be over? And hear me, those aren't wrong questions to ask. You know, people in the Bible would cry out, how long, oh Lord? But I wanna propose to you this morning that when it comes to waiting, we should focus on a different question. Instead of how long, what if we focused on how can I wait well? Get what I'm saying? Many times we think, how much longer? But I want to encourage you to focus on another question. How can I wait well? You know, over the last several weeks, we've been in a series titled The Greatest Hits of Christmas, and we've been looking at some of the songs in Scripture that surrounded the birth of Jesus Christ, the reason that we celebrate Christmas. So we've walked through Mary's song, Zachariah's song, and the angel's song. And today we're gonna look at one last song. It's the one you just heard read, and then uh, a, a version of it sung. It's the song of Simeon. Now, Simeon didn't get a lot of ink in the Bible, just a few verses, but what we do know about Simeon is that his life was characterized by waiting for the coming of the Messiah. So we're gonna be in Luke chapter two, verses 20, verse 25, and we'll go on from there, but a little bit of context leading up to this. Leading up to this time, Jesus has, has been born, and now it's about 40 days later, 
So we're still kind of around the time of his birth, and Mary and Joseph are bringing him to the temple. They're going to not offer him as a sacrifice, but they will offer a sacrifice uh, in keeping with the custom of the law. And so they're coming to the temple, and on the very day that they're there, Simeon is there. So we'll pick the story up in Luke 2, verse 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And here's kind of what characterizes him. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. So we're introduced to Simeon and it says he was waiting. Waiting for what? The consolation of Israel, which simply means the coming of the Messiah. You know, in those days, it was understood that the time preceding the coming of the Messiah would be a great time of suffering. And so the consolation of Israel means that means the one who will come and end the suffering, the Messiah. We know that to be Jesus Christ. So Simeon, as we pick up the story, he's waiting on God. And isn't that where many of us are today? Maybe you're here and you've been praying and praying about your situation. And it seems like, man, I I just haven't seen God move yet. So you're waiting. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long Simeon waited, but extra biblical sources tell us he was around 113 when this scripture took place. Now, we don't know that for sure, but if that's true, this man had been waiting a really long, long time. But what's so impressive about him, as we'll see, is that he was a man who waited well. And from his example, he teaches us three ways that we also can wait well with whatever we might be waiting for. So I want to walk through these just briefly this morning. Here's way number one, wait with character. If you want to wait well, wait with character. Look back at verse 25 again and the two words that it uses to describe Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Righteous and devout. In other words, even in his weight, he was a person of character. And I think this stands in contrast to some of us who are waiting. You know, I've often found, as I just shared, that waiting tends to bring out the worst in me. It's in the waiting that we're most often tempted to do things we might not normally do, trying to control the situation and make it, whatever it is, happen. And when we do this, we often sacrifice our character in the process. I remember one Christmas, I think it was around the year 2000, I was 12 years old and I had asked for a Game Boy Color, so handheld video gaming, all right? This was cutting edge back then, okay? We didn't have Nintendo Switch. We had a Game Boy Color, and the thing that set it apart was that the screen had color. So I asked for this, 
And one day I saw a present show up under the tree. About the same size of a Game Boy color box, my name on it. So day after day, I'm waiting. And the days are going by like years. I mean, it's excruciating. Now, I know, and we all know this, it's kind of like one of the unwritten rules of Christmas. You don't go open gifts before Christmas comes. You just don't do that. That's understood in our house too. But then one day, I felt I cannot wait any longer. I'm going to die if I have to wait any longer. This isn't good for my heart. So one night, I'm justifying it. I crept down to the tree. I pick up the box, move it around a little bit, look around, make sure no one's watching, no one's down here. And then I do that little fancy trick where you kind of just slowly peel off some of the tape and just kind of lift the corner flap there, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to teach anybody how to do this. Don't do that. <laughs> but I look in and I can see the font. I know what it, when it says Game Boy Color. You know, it had Game Boy and then the color was kind of this like scribbly crayon type font. Every letter had a different color. And I can see the last couple letters of color. So, cha-ching, score. I have a Game Boy Color. This is amazing. Then I started thinking about, okay, now how am I going to fake being surprised on Christmas morning? And what if my parents asked me, like, you know what this is? Am I supposed to just say no and lie about it? Like, how does this happen? Like, I've already kind of disobeyed them to get to this point, so I might as well just keep going with it. But you see, as a kind of a silly example, but I had to disobey my parents to really, to, to see. But I use it to show that it's often when we're waiting that we're most prone to sacrifice our character. And let me just say to you this morning, whatever you're waiting on, it's never worth sacrificing your character for. Let me challenge you to wait with character honesty, integrity, purity. You know, sometimes, this might not be true across the board, but for some of us, sometimes we think we're waiting on God, but the reality is he's simply waiting on us to develop the character needed to handle what we're waiting on. For example, maybe you're here and, you know, you, you want that promotion. There's a person in front of you who has it. You think, I should have that job. You want that extra responsibility and influence that comes with it. And and you know what, maybe you have the talent to do it. But God knows that often our talent can take us further than our character can sustain us. And this is often why you see people who have immense talent who blow up their lives and families. Why? How did it happen, why? Why does this happen? Because they had talent, but they lacked character. So let the weight Whatever you might be waiting on today, let the weight develop in you character. Because you know what? What God is doing in us while we wait is as important as what we are waiting for. Love what it says in the book of James. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I think we could say that waiting often a trial because you know the testing of your faith 
produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, often God uses the weight to refine us and mature us so that we're not lacking anything. So waiting well means wait with character. Here's the second way we can wait well, and we find this looking at Simeon, is wait with sensitivity. And by sensitivity, I mean sensitivity to the Spirit's leading and guiding in your life. Look what it goes on to say. It had been revealed to him, so we're talking about Simeon, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. I don't know how it was revealed to him. I don't know how the Holy Spirit did that, whether, you know, it has a vision, they had a prompting about it, whether someone shared it with him, whatever it is, been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And then it says, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God. Now we'll get to the song here in just a moment. But here's Simeon. And think about this. He happens to be in the temple on the very same day and the very same time that Joseph, Mary, and the Messiah, Jesus, show up. Coincidence? No. He's there on that day at that time because it says he was moved by the Holy Spirit. Moved by the Holy Spirit. One scholar said it this way. The Spirit brought Simeon into the temple at the same time as Joseph and Mary. This seems to indicate a special sensitivity on Simeon's part. Sensitivity to what? The Spirit's nudges, promptings, and leadings in his life. So while he waited, I think we could say he stayed sensitive to the Spirit. Now, hypothetical here. What if after many years of going to the temple and and checking, one day he decided, you know what? This is getting really old. I've been coming here for who knows how long, looking for this Messiah, making a fool out of myself. I'm tired of doing this. It's it's not going to happen. Maybe I just heard God wrong. I'm just, I'm done. Let me ask you again a hypothetical question. Could he have potentially missed this moment? Or maybe ended up delaying the day on which he got to see the Messiah. I think he could have because the rest of Scripture has several examples of people missing a leading from God or delaying something he wanted to do in their life because they got tired of waiting around on God. And this is the real danger, is that waiting can often cause our heart, which is often the very place the Spirit speaks to us to become hard and calloused. Don't let whatever you're waiting on today, don't let it harden your heart and desensitize you to the leading of God. You say, well, I don't even know how to do that. Well, here's one way you can do that, is share your heart with the Lord. The Bible says, cast all of our cares and anxieties on him because he cares for you. So when you feel angry, 
when you feel impatient, when you feel worried, share it with God. He can handle your emotions. See, in doing so, you're training yourself to talk with God instead of walk from God. So you know what, it might, it might be helpful for some of us. Maybe, you know, you're, you've been waiting for a long time on something. It might be helpful to sit down and just write out how you're feeling and say, Lord, I'm struggling. This is how I'm feeling about this. Would you help me to keep my heart soft and sensitive to you in this time? Don't miss what God might be trying to communicate to you, do in your life, because you decided to tune him out. Wait with sensitivity. And here's the last way we wait well, we see this in Simeon, is wait in faith. Let's go back to Simeon one more time. He lays eyes on Jesus. And he says, Sovereign Lord, and this is kind of his song, as you have promised, I think that's an important phrase there, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Basically he's saying, you can, you can let me die. You told me you let me live until I saw him. I've seen it. I'm good now. Bring me home. Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared inside of all nations, a light. I love how he refers to Jesus as a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So God had promised in his word, we know this, that he would send a Messiah. But he also promised Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Now, the text doesn't tell us at what point in his life it was revealed to him he'd see the Messiah. But we can say between the promise or when it was revealed to him that he would see the Messiah and the fulfillment of that promise, there was a period of waiting. We don't know how long that wait was. Could have been a lifetime. But after a time of waiting, he finally sees Jesus. And his song reveals that all throughout his waiting, he never stopped trusting God to come through on his promise. He said, as you promised, according to your word. I think we could say Simeon waited in faith, completely trusting that God would make good on what he'd said. Now, whenever we talk about faith, I think it's important that we kind of define our, our terms here because sometimes we can get a little bit weird when it comes to faith. Meaning sometimes people have faith in things that God hasn't said. So that would be similar to me saying, uh, my brother Nathan down here, Nathan, I have faith, and, just telling, and then telling all of you, I have faith that any time snow hits my driveway this winter, my brother Nathan is gonna come and he's gonna take care of it. He's gonna shovel it, whatever. I'm speaking it in faith right now. <laughs> but then let's say you ask me the question, well, John, did Nathan say he'd shovel your driveway? Well, no, but I just got faith that he's gonna do it. 
and I'm standing in faith. He's going to shovel my driveway. Okay, that's not faith. That's delusion. (laughs) See, faith is always connected to what God has said. Look at what Romans 10 says. I think I've showed that we, I love this verse. So then faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is always connected to hearing what God has said. Okay, so listen, if God has revealed something to you and it aligns with his word, be like Simeon. Hang on to it. Walk by faith. Trust God's timing. His timing is not ours. You know, I heard about an economist who had, who had read about the scripture in the Bible that says, you know, a, a day with the Lord is like, you know, a day here is like a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years like a day. And so the economist, you know, had read that and just said, was speaking to the Lord one day and said, Lord, you know, it says in your word that kind of like a, a thousand years, you know, a minute, uh, it's kind of like a thousand years, man. And so um, that means that like, you know, a million dollars to us is kind of like a penny to you. I think I said that wrong. A thousand years here, kind of like a minute to the Lord, right? So he said, if a million dollars, you know, a million dollars to us is kind of like a penny to you. So, Lord, if it's not too big of a deal, could I just have a penny from you? And the Lord said, sure, just wait a minute. Did you catch that? His timing is not ours, but we can trust his timing. You know, a famous Christian author once wrote about some friends of his who were trapeze artists. I've always loved this picture. They were with the circus and their lives had an effect on him and they were called the Flying Rudellas. And one day they told this author that there's a very special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. Now, I'm gonna ask the media guys if they can bring up this picture, okay? So the guy with his knees wrapped around the, uh, the trapeze thing there, he's the catcher. The guy in the top right of that picture, he's the flyer. So you got the catcher and the flyer. So the flyer is the one that lets go. The catcher is the one that catches. So as you might imagine, this relationship is important, especially to the flyer. Yeah, to the flyer. (laughs) So when the flyer is swinging high above the crowd on the trapeze, the moment comes when he must let go. So as he arcs out in the air, let's go, His job, once he lets go, is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to grab him. Trapeze artist told this author, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer's job is to wait in absolute trust that the catcher will catch him. Flyer must wait. Now, in that picture, bring that picture up if you can one more time, guys, down in the media booth. I'm, I want you to think about this relationship here. In that picture, I want you to picture God and you. Okay? God is the catcher. We are the flyer. You are the flyer. And so it's our job to trust God when we're waiting that he's got us. But so often in the waiting... What happens is we start flailing around, trying to make things happen, make up our own plans, and even worse, 
give up. Listen, if you're waiting and the Lord has promised something, don't give up. Stay the course. God's got you. Love the scripture in Hebrews. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. We serve a faithful God, and you can trust him. And Christmas is the reminder that God is a promise keeper. As we come into Christmas, I want you to think about the fact that all of creation had been waiting in great anticipation for the coming of the Messiah. And at Christmas, we are reminded that God can be trusted in the waiting because he sent Jesus, the light of the world, to come and save us from the penalty and power of sin. Love again what what Simeon said about Jesus. He called him a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And so this Christmas, whatever you might be waiting for, I want you to turn your focus and your attention to the light of the world, Jesus. He can be trusted. He's faithful. And so as a way of remembering and celebrating the light of the world, We're gonna light candles. You had candles when you came in. We're gonna light candles. And so what I'd like you to do now is I'd like you to stand to your feet. And there are ushers who are gonna help us with the lighting of these candles on the ends of rows at the front and at the back. And so now I'm gonna release the ushers to start lighting candles. We're gonna light candles and then we're gonna sing Silent Night as we close, so they're gonna light the candle on the end and then what you do is you turn and light the person's candle next to you and we'll go all the way back. So let's just wait a few minutes here as we get the candles lit. And really guys, this is a picture of how the light is to spread. So we'll light our candles and then, and when all the candles are lit here, we'll sing Silent Night together.
as we look around the room this morning and see all the lights, we're reminded that you are the light of the world. And God, we thank you that you're a promise keeper, that you sent your son Jesus into the world so that we could be saved. And so, Lord, I pray that as we come into tomorrow, that yes, there might be things that we're waiting on, Lord, that have been things we've really been struggling with. But I pray you would help us to focus on you, Jesus. And the fact that you're faithful and that you can be trusted. So, Jesus, we love you. We remember and we celebrate you this Christmas. Thank you for coming. And we all look forward to the day when you will come again. So it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, thank the Lord. You can't really clap, can you? Thank you, Lord. We love you. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for being here. I hope it's, it's been a blessing for you to be here with us. It's blessed my heart to be with you on Christmas Eve morning. So good. And hey, on your way out, you can blow your candle out and uh, you can hand it to someone on the way out. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. We love you all. Have a great Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we'll see you back here January 7th. Love you guys.